No more drugs for me. Pussy and religion is all I need. You're listening to Mormon and the Meth Head. <laughs> is that a song? That is a song. That's Kanye, baby. Pussy. If you put a Mormon and a meth head together, this is what they sound like. Aaron Woodall and just a radar fence. Listen to them talking to Mike. and religion well he's really got that he's yeah he's got he's it nailing man. it yeah i uh, live in his truth dude did you see the clip i don't watch i don't watch Oof. any of these shows but i just see clips of them sometimes on twitter i forget that the kardashians are like that they have a reality show yeah and the kanye is on it uh there was some clip that i saw on twitter where he is fucking uh give he gave all of the kardashians tiny dictionaries and then like he made them <laughs> he made them sit around a table because he's focused on positivity and and they would open up the the dictionary to a page and they would underline all the positive words and read them aloud to each other oh no is he turning toxically positive like this is the biggest problem <laughs> that he's I don't know. I I have no idea. He is, I uh, yeah. Like I would say that's that's his, the least of my Kanye <laughs> worries right now. You know, he uh, we missed a chance to see him perform for free in Salt Lake City because we were gonna go do that show in Bozeman, and like the night before he announced he's doing the show at the Gateway, and I was like, oh my god, I would love to go see Kanye Sunday service in my town, and I'm leaving. And my roommate, Whitney, uh, he's a bigger Kanye fan than me, maybe. He went and saw it. And it was like, yeah, all this stuff was great. And then, you know, he pulls out, like, the MAGA hat and goes on <laughs> some, some rant about stuff. And we're like, oh, geez. Oh, gosh. Man. And then did you see him in his big silver costume? No, I saw him uh, with a televangelist. That was the thing that bothered me the most. Yeah, dude. Because the vibe, the the energetic vibe on the televangelist felt very mm, gross. Mm -hmm. Reptilian, if you mm -hmm. will. Like when government people, like campaigning people, are like using someone for their campaign is how it felt. Mm. I feel like Kanye's just searching for something, right? He's searching for his truth. He's 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 going through some sort of awakening or s something, and he was being paraded, is what it felt like by that uh, gross preacher. Yeah, I have no idea what Kanye is searching for. Hopefully, he finds it in Wy <laughs> Wyoming. I think he's dead. He did. He he just bought like. Uh, some like a mountain or something in Wyoming. He's bought some giant, huge property in Wyoming. And I think Kanye West is going to start a cult in my lifetime. Yeah. He's going to have a compound. <laughs> Strange. Uh, I, I never thought that I would feel bad for Kim Kardashian <laughs> in that marriage. I always thought 
I, like when he was married Kim Kardashian, I was like, Kanye, no, don't go marry the reality lady into her. You're going to be in her family. Oh, geez. And now I'm like, the poor Kardashians. <laughs> are, uh, you know, they're, they have, they're really strong. <laughs> we got to put up with this shit all the time. They're just like, they're just chilling. And then Kanye starts handing out the Webster's <laughs> pocket dictionaries. <laughs> <laughs> and everyone has to go along with it like fuck uh, <laughs> underlining words like uh, a psychopath <laughs> uh, so um yesterday the uh the announcement came out that we were ending the podcast and sorry you had to sit through 45 minutes of bullshit <laughs> Dude, that episode's so bad, and I feel bad about it. I had weeks to think about that episode, and I had planned it out, and I knew what it was going to... I was like, we're going to open up with some funny stories. We're going to do funny stuff. In the middle, There's we're going to have you know a, a, a shift, a key change, if you will. It's a little more serious, and we're going to announce that we're going separate ways, but we're going to be doing it in a really positive light. It's not going to be sad. We don't want people to be sad about it, so we can't be sad about it. We have to be like, oh, yeah, we had a great time on this podcast, and so now uh, we got we got other things to do, and it's all going to be okay, and wasn't it uh, great? And uh, instead, you know, you guys heard the episode. <laughs> You're familiar. It was just rough. Ugh. Um I ended up staying up staying awake for like twenty four hours. But that was at the end of almost twenty four hours. I've been driven, having done a show, seeing Jessa for the first time in a while, and we were both just like <laughs> Yeah, I barely made it through the comedy show without crying. And then you're like, All right, we're gonna keep it cool. And I was like, Oh, okay. Uh Jessa Jess uh, was sending me messages before I got there like, hey, uh, everything's great. Everything's good. We're going to have a great few days. Celebrate the end of this thing. Uh, no need to worry. And then she walks into Cantor's Deli and uh, and then immediately is turning to go to the bathroom to cry. <laughs> I was like, come on, Jess. Well, I was Let's... like, no fighting. But uh, yeah, that day I was like, should I drink? <laughs> 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 Does drinking make you not cry? <laughs> what do I do? Uh, so sorry for that for that rough rough episode. When someone someone said, like, at thirty seven minutes uh, in, they announce that it's over. I was like, hold on. <laughs> Did we honestly bitch about the Bill Burr fanboys? <laughs> For 30 minutes, I thought in my head, I thought we killed like about 15 minutes. Uh, I told the one story and then we talked about other stuff. And then uh, with like it's a two hour episode <laughs> <laughs> and it's so bad. <laughs> uh, but uh, then our phones blew up all day long. Yeah. A lot of sweet things. I made a video that I've been making in my head for weeks. I was like, uh, I am very cheesy. Um, it's cheesy as hell. And it's not usually, it's, I don't think it makes, I think it makes Aaron uncomfortable. So it's something I usually have to really curb. But I was like, she this didn't is curb the it. end. I'm going to get to go uh, all out. 
I'm gonna get to make all the videos I wanted to make during the breakup. <laughs> I'm gonna get to make them about the podcast. Dude, if you had been making those videos during the breakup, you would have uh <laughs> just can you imagine like this is not socially acceptable. Yeah. <laughs> when you go through a breakup, you're supposed to make sad tweets. Like that's you know, funny tweets about uh how much you want to kill yourself or something. But if you were uh posting like uh like iphone edited montages uh to to like sad music to sad <laughs> cheryl crow music of pictures of your boyfriend <laughs> everyone would call the cops there would be there would there would be so many wellness checks on you that night like we need to make sure she's okay uh but uh no, I, mean, be, I mean, yeah, that got lots of comments and lots of notifications. But I mean, just be, even before you uh, went down uh, that cheesy road, <laughs> there was just lots of messages and 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 stuff. And uh, it was a lot. It was a lot. And it's it, like it's really it's really sweet so far. I mean, um, people have expressed sadness, of course, but uh, everybody is talking about what the podcast meant to them. And how it helped them and where they were in their lives when they started listening to it and where they are now. And it's really nice. And in our next episode, next week's episode, I want to read some of our fans' messages and stories and and talk about it. Because, I mean, we're, we're talking a lot about how Jessa and I have changed. But I think that it's fair to say that this is also, you know, your story, y'all's story. And I want to share some of it on the podcast. We're going to do that next week. Um, can't there's there's already like seventy plus comments on that one thread that I started in the Facebook group. So uh, we're definitely not going to read them all, but there's there's a bunch of stuff that we can read. It's interesting. Obviously, I have consciousness uh, theories about this, but it's interesting how so many of us were on this path at the same time, and the podcast provided you know in in us trying to figure our trauma out and our relationship out and our past relationships out and our childhoods out so many other people were on that path and that was kind of we all walked that path together on the podcast and it's really sweet to see all of the things that everyone has shared Mm -hmm. and um the podcast network that we were with has always marveled about like our I hate calling fans fans but um the following of that podcast they're like your your engagement is off the hook for how many downloads you get your Mm -hmm. engagement is incredible like the people are in this podcast and when we were pitching a show they would talk about that they're like that you've never seen a fan base like this like they are really involved in it and Mm -hmm. that means a lot couldn't sell ad space though But your fans are great. Your fans yeah, are your great. Your fans are great. No one wants to put meth head as their promo code. <laughs> <laughs> they fucking dick pills. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it's kind of a wash. But at least you got your fans. <laughs> what we, was the word that they kept having to use for a promo code? Head. <laughs> promo code head. <laughs> Because they're not going to do Mormon. They're not going to do meth. Uh. 
uh, I tried to get them to do 5D consciousness. They're like, no, <laughs> definitely not. Not even the CBD oil people uh, were down for that. Uh, we were. I was just like, Jessa, how much money did we make on advertising in this podcast? <laughs> it's zero dollars. I think we, we thought, $250 to split It's once. $231 that uh, they still haven't paid us, and that is to split. And that's and I was just like, I, I, I did so many things that the network told me to do. When they're like, hey, when you when you edit, you need to put in two ad breaks. And then they're like, you know, on each ad break, you have to put in two two ad like you know so f- four and then there's but then there's like two at the beginning and one at the end so there's like seven ads total and everything and we're putting in all this stuff and it's like uh you know when you're when i'm editing the podcast at the uh it's a lot you know i know editing's already its own thing you got to cut and splice and get the audio right which we never did and <laughs> uh fix all these different things and make sure uh there's nothing too uh personal intimate or whatever and you have to listen through all this triggering shit and at the end of that then you have to find the spots put in the ad breaks and you have to get these spots right blah 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 and to know if i had known then that i was going to not get (laughs) half of a 231 (laughs) dollar check i never would have done any of it in their defense fuck the i was like I hate the fucking ads. I hate them. Two things. I would like it on the record that I was against ads from the very beginning. Yeah. Uh, and refuse them for soberish as well. I'm like, uh, yeah, well, now well, that's I, good. Now, now I, that you for know. Sure. But even no matter what, it's so gross to me. I don't want to sell out. I know that some like Tim thinks it's hilarious to sell out. I'm like, why would I tell people to buy something I don't I use? Want, I want to sell out. Yeah. <laughs> but you have to you have to uh, there has to be money involved <laughs> in order to sell out. I felt like uh, I I just was a, sh- a shill for nothing. You know, like if you paid me money, I'm like, I'm happy to sell out. You want me to to advertise your i don't know i think it's weird to tell people to buy stuff that you don't use that's insane to me i used those i used blue chew still yeah. got i still got a giant when they were they were like signed me up for the uh uh you know you get one you get one month package i was like what's the biggest fucking package i can get they're like we can give you 90 chewable dick pills and i was like absolutely so i still got a whole bag whole bag of these will be going off for the next couple years but um, maybe I start getting crazy and see what happens when you take three of them or something. Yeah, you think yeah. <laughs> Are they chewable like gummies or like pill like? Chalky? Oh no, they're like they're like they're bare. First of all, they are like jawbreaker chewable. <laughs> like, I, I this should have been in the ad. You take you have to like like take a bite. Like, <laughs> you feel like you're gonna crack your tooth on this Viagra. <laughs> uh, and then you uh, you chew up a, like an actual like a pill <laughs> like it doesn't feel like dude what if they sent me the non chewable kind right they do they what if I got the wrong no it's called blue chew they're all chewable right the pills are blue uh, the chewing part is what's in question it tastes it 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 tastes like you're eating a pill it tastes it's it's like soapy and gross it's very bad taste in your mouth and then it's and it's like the kind of thing that like it gets stuck to the top of your teeth you know it's just like in there you got to like stick your thumbnail back and like 
uh, pry out the the oh, blue fuck. chew. Uh, We're accidentally giving them another free ad. (laughs) Um, I just want to say in defense of the network, they tried to pay us. They told us to send an invoice, and I think we couldn't be bothered, and so we didn't even... We were were broken up and really sad when they finally sent it. But still, that's the only... only, I was like, oh, so we do... You guys do send us checks, huh? Okay. Yeah. But... uh, We get paid per click. This is the other reason that it's stupid to try to sell things you don't use, is you get paid per click... Uh, per people using the promo code and so nobody's buying whatever the fuck we were selling yeah so uh well the thing was i always i was always like we need to get weighted blanket advertisers yeah weighted blanket magnesium powder i was like uh, everyone on our podcast is depressed as hell and they will like get a weighted blanket for sure Uh, but instead they were like Oh, y'all fucking <laughs> Blue Chew. Actually, if Blue Chew would have stayed, we would have sold those because your pitches for the later ones were really good. But yeah. it was what were we selling before that? <laughs> y'all, y'all, y'all like y'all and y'all like eating Advil <laughs> and y'all like chewing your Tylenol. Well, how would you like to eat some ibuprofen that makes your dick rock hard? Bluechew.com Promo code head (laughs) Uh, uh, Yeah, anyway I bought uh, Ethan uh, a crystal Yeah uh, From a gas station We were driving back from my parents' house Thanksgiving And stopped at a gas station And and he wants all this shit You know, there's like gas stations that have like all the stuff All the little toy stuff set up So the kids want to buy stuff And he was like, can I get this car? No Can I get this helicopter thing? No And then the very end, he was like, dad, I really, really want this crystal I'm like, where the hell? What? (laughs) They had a whole display of crystals And uh, he wanted a $4 amethyst uh, Which is his birthstone If you say so we had just been watching Steven Universe, the movie, and uh, Amethyst is, is one of the characters. Yeah, so I was like, Aquarius. I was like, sure, man, absolutely, you can have it. And then I went home thinking about how Jess has ruined my children. <laughs> 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 Got him buying crystals and shit. God damn it. I'm getting him an, uh, an SD card reader for Christmas. Because <laughs> he loves yours so yeah. much. <laughs> He did. He did love that SD card reader. You're right. Uh, he had his very first sleepover this last weekend. Uh, I was unprepared for it. I. I He's I, never had a sleepover with another kid or just not while you've had him? He has uh, slept over at his cousin's house. Okay. Uh, but that doesn't count. It's just like right. on a trip with your cousins, you know. Uh, he... In the for Thanksgiving, you know, uh, or like when we came to visit you guys uh, yeah. in L.A., you know, he slept with the girls in their room. But like I'm there, you right. know, I'm there in the next room. So this is first time. Yeah. Having a sleepover at someone else's house. He I couldn't pick him up at the bus stop. So uh, he rode the bus to his friend's house. And then I came to pick him up later and I got there. They, you know, the kids just come to the door and they're like, hey, hey, uh, um, uh, 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 uh,
Uh, and I'm like, what? What is happening? What are you? <laughs> uh, you can tell that the kids are trying to pitch something, right? And they just, uh, yeah. And then they uh, they finally spit it out, and they're like, oh well, I just thought it would be uh, cool if uh, we could have a uh, sleepover. And uh, and so now I'm talking to the to this kid's mom, first time I ever met her, and she's just like, yeah, I'm totally okay having them have a sleepover, which is weird to me because like I would not be okay. I'd be like, you hear to have other kids, other people's kids in your house. That you're responsible for, and this is something you want to do with your Friday. Let's see. Uh, are you sure? Like, I don't want to bull. Don't let these kids bully you into making you supervise them. But she was down for it. But I was like nervous because I had never, I had never even decided if I if I was gonna let Ethan do sleepovers. You know, so many uh, parents are like, I don't let my kids do sleepovers. You say that, yeah. And I've always been like, yeah, that's kind of a good idea. Maybe that's smart. Maybe. I do I let them do it, but I'm way strict about it. Right. I have to, yeah, way have vetted the male in the house. Mm-hmm. Well, and so I say that to the mom where I'm like, I don't know. Uh, you know, so many, I know parents who don't do it. And I guess I've never decided. I thought I had more time to decide. And she was like confused. And she was like, why, why do some parents not do sleepovers? And I said nothing because I like the kids are there yeah but, uh, but I'm like it's because some of us got molested by our friends dads exactly and uh, you know just trying to raise molestation free kids <laughs> uh, <laughs> but anyway I said yes I let him have a sleepover and uh, and I went home and I thought about how he's growing up and how he used to be an infant baby he used to fit into my hand now he's off just having sleepovers, just having fun. And uh, but then I thought, like, you know, it's not that, yeah, kids grow up. He's got a lot of childhood left. It's no big deal. Um, <laughs> I don't want to ask you. <laughs> what? The setup to this joke involves saying, what, what do, you, do you remember what you did at your first sleepover? But your answer is get, got molested. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, doesn't work. <laughs> uh, anyway, you guys at home, do you remember what you did at your? We fr- set a mattress on fire, and a trailer was actually, I think, my first sleepover. I didn't. One of the boys did, but my mom had just given me a lighter, and this, but it didn't have any gas in it, and but it was, you know, I. Was I remember the story. Dying for a lighter, and then Ronald uh, got a real lighter. <laughs> well, whose mattress did you set on fire? Uh, Willie's. <laughs> How old are you guys? How trailer park are these? <laughs> um, I'm f- I'm five or six, I think. Five or six. Star Wars was actually playing. I think. I think Star Wars was playing around uh, on TVs a lot when I was young. I just never actually watched it. But mm. he set a mattress on fire, and then I had to give my lighter up. Even though yours had no gas in it. Right. Jeez. But that's unfair. <laughs> um. I, there was a while that I was nervous that I that I was anyway, but whatever. Anyway, first sleepover. Ethan's Ethan's growing up, but I go I I have a fun Friday night to myself, and I'm like okay. And then in the morning I come to pick him up. The kid got engaged on on the <laughs> sleepover. He's six. When I showed up, he was getting married. They were like they were about to perform a ceremony. This is he's he was the only boy at the sleepover. It's all girls, like his friend's a girl, and then she's got an older sister who had an, uh, another girlfriend sleeping over, and so the older girls are like, "You two should get married." And then they had like did this whole uh, uh, you know engagement process with like a butterfly hair 
barrette thing and uh the best part was they had like done ethan's hair up like his hair had a whole bunch of hairspray in it and had like been combed really nicely and I w- that was like the first thing i noticed i was like what's up with your hair dude did they give you a <laughs> bath while uh while you were here and it was like no i'm just getting ready for the wedding uh, <laughs> I was like, all right dude. it is not at all what i thought would happen on your first sleepover but like damn dude way to get it did he actually get to get married or no he was like ah, dad's here sorry can't do it he didn't put up any fight though if that's any like he wasn't like dad let me stay get married uh he was just like oh dang gotta go sorry that's such a that's such an ethan personality thing where he's like yeah uh maybe next time maybe next time maybe next time uh I did. He does. He does love that friend, though. I was like, I hope that you guys stay BFFs forever. And he looked at me and he said, we will be. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, They're they're cute together. Mm. So, Jessica. I've been calling you Jessica a lot this week. Yeah, it's been weird. Uh, What was the podcast like for you? Awful. Just kidding. Uh. Quick, let's do an ad break right now. <laughs> All right, now into the next segment of the podcast, into the meat and potatoes of this episode. What was the podcast like? Look back on the last two years. I think the podcast was really documenting an awakening for me. I think you came into my life right as things were falling apart but also coming together like I was really entering into a new phase of my life I think ultimately I was headed towards what I came to this planet to do and I had pieces of myself locked away for this moment you know I think I most of my personality most of what I identified as was just a culmination of protective mechanisms that I've you know, developed through a lifetime to survive and something about you chipped away at those. And then the podcast provided a place for me to like wake up from that. I think, I mean, obviously for me, it's all about us, but like, I think that there were, there were many points, especially early in the me getting triggered and, and stuff where I would have probably just kicked you out of my life to to get to escape the pain, you know. The protective mechanisms were so intense that I would have like sabotaged and and left, but there was like this podcast has to keep going. This podcast has to survive. There you know, the the podcast did not feel optional. And so it kind of kept me um in a less destructive place where I could really like release a lot of that stuff. Career-wise, you know, it was amazing to build something from scratch. I loved the part where we just lost money and did these tiny things. Because in my head, I'm like, one day we'll be doing theaters and it's going to be so fun to look back and remember the times five people showed up. And, you know, uh, I loved the story that was unfolding. You know, it was a there was a biopic playing the entire time in my head, but I loved doing shows for our fans and, uh, 
I don't know, the whole experience was really beautiful. And sometimes I cringe when I think about the early episodes and that version of me and that people will be able to see it. But then I really love the idea that like we do- we documented two of the most transformative years of my life and that they exist somewhere for, you know, like a documentary. Yeah, I've never been good at keeping a journal. I kept a journal when I was on my mission, and that was it. And then I stopped. And I always think about, I'd like to, I'd like to. And I this, but this is absolutely uh, like a journal. I l- I treat my Instagram stories. I'm like, well, that's this is my journal now. Uh, yeah. If they save all these memories forever, then you know I can always go back and remember things. And that's what the podcast is like for me too. Uh. I've never made anything that I liked as much as this. And I'd never I'd never been as sure of a project or anything. Like I'm really hard at I'm really bad at starting things and I think everything I do is bad and uh not worth it and not worth the effort and this is like I never had any of those feelings. I knew as soon as we thought of it, I was like, yeah, this will be this will be good. This is going to be really good. And it was something that I liked. And, uh, and like, it was really easy to put effort into it. It was really easy to, um, which, which I've, I struggle in every other aspect in every other endeavor that I do. I can be so lazy about stuff because I'm like, ah, I don't know if it's worth it, but this was always worth it. I, and from the beginning it was, and I liked putting in hours editing and and getting stuff, you know, right. I mean, obviously not the audio levels wherever, <laughs> right? But, like, uh, I was very good at editing the, the content, you know, of, of like, cutting, trimming the fat on episodes. There was, I really loved, like taking pieces out and moving them to mm-hmm. other parts of the episode and putting them in and no one knows that, that we did actually say it in that order, but it's better now it flows yeah. better. Uh, or we would cut, we'd splice different episodes together. And, um, I love putting little Easter eggs at the end of the music, you know, at the end of the episode, I put like a little something that I cut out from the middle and put it at the very end. I love doing shit like that. I wonder how many of those people heard. Um, it seemed like towards the end, everyone was aware of it. I, I definitely know like in, uh, I did, I did a lot before anyone ever commented on it. And I was like, is no one hearing these? Does no one know? Because I would put, it, it depends on how, um, personal the thing was. Yeah. Because a lot of times it would be cut something. If, sometimes it would just cut something out that didn't fit. It was like the episode was too long or this was a tangent. Um, but it's like funny or helpful or whatever. So we just stick it at the st- – I'd put it at the end. But then there would be something that I was like, I kind of want to talk shit about this person. But I don't – you know, I'm like, well, I kind of want to hide it a little bit. So I'd, I would put like, you know, a minute of dead air behind the song – and then play that clip. Oh shit! And then there would be things where it's like, uh, I can't remember what the first the the first things I did this for were definitely things that were like kind of embarrassing. That I was like, in the spirit of this the the podcast, 
this this would stay in but i really don't want it to be in the main episode you know yeah uh and i would i would there there were there were a couple things that i buried after like two minutes of dead air <laughs> and oh uh, shit i didn't even know that yeah so i i don't know i don't even know how many there are i don't know what what i did i forget everything that i do as soon as i've done it i'm like what? well it's gone i love i love patreon for that too that we were able to put super intimate you know stuff we didn't want on the main timeline yeah you just hide it on patreon because it's yeah. like well it's gonna be way less people are gonna hear it that's great and it's also uh i I feel better i feel better getting your five dollars like and then letting you hear my uh my sad sad secret you know it's yeah. like uh it makes it seem you know still still like a secret there was like this is an exclusive club yeah you had to pay to get in you know um uh i also loved fans at shows i mean i didn't uh i didn't love losing money uh uh because i'm i i'm not as uh not as money as fake as you are although i've tried i've tried to be and i've gotten better at that but uh like i've always i always loved the idea of it it's it was great it is a cool origin story um it it, it was fun you know and it does feel like the the movies that we watch of our favorite famous people and we see them struggling in the beginning. I love those stories. And it's like, oh, look, this is my story. This is cool. But I really loved the best part about this podcast might just be having fans that were at shows. This is the coolest thing yeah. I had done. I had been a road comic for several years and didn't have any fans. And then suddenly I had people coming to see me perform and we were booking shows just on our own podcast. You know, the strength of our of our fans allowed us to just perform shows. We could just sell our own tickets. People show up and that was really cool. And then people started showing up with gifts and shit. The the girl from Hawaii that came to Minneapolis to see us perform and brought us lays, you know? Yeah. Uh and you know, we got God, we were so proud of those lays. How many <laughs> we they're beautiful, beautiful they were yeah. they were real they had just flown in from hawaii that day it's like it was, it was a blizzard in well probably not bl- it's probably like a regular snowstorm but it was snowing in minneapolis and we had these fresh beautiful lays from hawaii it was really cool it's really cool um anyway yeah people just start bringing us stuff you know like weed <laughs> weighted blankets <laughs> so many psychedelics uh, yeah uh and it was really really cool i liked uh having people that wanted to see me perform that wanted to hear me tell jokes that wanted to just buy me a drink and hang out with me people that wanted to wear our t-shirts and stuff it was really special and so i guess to you guys i say thanks it meant a lot thank you the threesomes were great too. Jesus, <laughs> Jesus, Jessica. Uh, it was, it was cool, and we and it was. It, it depends on who the person was, but it was sometimes cool and sometimes weird to have clout because of the podcast. You know, there. Uh, comics are just shitty in general. We're all pretty shitty to each other and in different ways. And um, 
like it's re- it's a really great feeling when someone isn't nice to you and then they uh suddenly are nice to you because they uh know that you're worth something then they're like oh, yeah. oh you know they do a 180 this would happen to us at like big sky all the time uh and it's a that was a cool that was a cool feeling it felt weird though when i would go to wise guys in salt lake if i just had a night where i'm real it, it's also probably weird because it always is when i'm depressed and i'm trying to get out of the house and i'm like i know i'll go i'll go see my friends at wise guys i'll just go try to be social but uh people there would uh talk to me as if um i was like doing something with my life <laughs> and i was like <laughs> i was like y'all don't have any idea i would just go uh-huh uh-huh and they're like wow so like what's it like out there and i'm like it's you know bad <laughs> <laughs> no uh, i failed i'm failing in los angeles right now i'm fa- i've failed i've come back uh, as a failure but thank you for for hyping me up you know they're like oh whoa, whoa, whoa. i'm like i'm i'm swimming in debt is how it's doing that's how it's doing. How's your How's your health insurance? What's that like? You know, but uh, it was it was cool to be cool for a minute to have people go, "Ooh, wow!" You know, that was fun. I really don't think we failed uh, in L.A. I think you haven't for sure. I mean, I uh, I guess it, it doesn't matter now, but. We still are people that if we had a new idea, we could go into networks and pitch that idea. Like we, it was like, this isn't what we're looking for right now, but we love what you two do. We love this. So bring us more stuff. Mm -hmm. So I feel like the people who fail or the people that go to LA can't even get a meeting and, you know, spend five years doing open mics in LA. Like you didn't even move to LA and you were sitting in fucking... And they hated me for it. I cannot stand Pe- people in LA act like phones don't exist, like that <laughs> there's no email, that there's the that you can't just like. Uh, anyway, people are just like, if you don't live in LA, you are dead to us, and you do not matter. There's no possible way we could ever, ever, ever receive an email from someone outside of the city of Los Angeles, and you're like. All right, dude. Okay. Uh, it's people are, Brian was always like, Aaron has to move to LA. Aaron, why won't you move to LA? Aaron, move, 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 move. I think that you would have a shit ton more opportunities if you lived I in would. LA. I would. I would also see my son a lot less. Right. And, uh, you know, he would be, uh, <laughs> uh, married. <laughs> he would be married by now. <laughs> Fuck. That's the, that's the, you're right. Okay. So the LA failure that I mean was just that, um, I'm being, I, I am exaggerating when I say failure, you are right, but, uh, I just like being hard on myself. Okay. But I got my ego bruised in LA. Like I got a reality check, you know, there was just this moment in time where I was naive where I thought I was better than everybody that comes to LA and tries to sell something. I was like, well, we have something special and we are going to get our show picked up. So those that don't know, we were pitching for a a minute, an animated TV series called Mormon and the meth head. That was, uh, 
loosely based on our lives. If a Mormon and a meth head uh, like lived together in Portland and uh, had crazy adventures and stuff, that's what the the show was about. And there were people that were interested in it, you know, like uh, you know our our people, the Starburns people were interested in it, and um, where they were like, and we. Jess and I believed like this is really good, and I something again that I worked hard on. You know, I was like typing out uh, episode stuff. Like that way, I never wrote an actual script, but just like summaries of episodes and uh, and potential jokes, and writing out character descriptions and plotting out the uh, season arcs with Jessa and like what talking about what the show would be and stuff. Very exciting, and I thought someone will buy. Someone will order a pilot, at least. Like that's we we may not sell an actual show, but someone will order a pilot, and that's like you know, money right there. Right. right? I'm like that. If I if someone orders a pilot, that's enough, and uh, I can move to L. A. on that and stuff. And it was cool for a minute to have some heat, and we got to like get to the table with you know Comedy Central and Amazon. And uh, it was cool. And then, uh, you know, no one calls back. Nothing happens. And then our own team stops talking to us. Uh, Like no one's, they all have other clients that are, you know, more pressing and stuff. And I was like, huh, it's depressing. It was like, oh, no, I am just like everyone else. Why did I think I was special? Why was I so naive and so dumb? Why did I think I could just stroll into this town that has crushed a million hearts before mine and that I would walk through unscathed? Like, it's just dumb, right? And you're right. Like, that's definitely not a failure. Like, if I actually lived here, uh, and um, it wouldn't be that big of a deal. But I didn't. And also, if we hadn't been, like, breaking up constantly. Uh, yeah. We, but we were struggling with our own stuff. And so it was, it was just, like, adding adding one more hardship to like we I just wasn't like mentally or emotionally uh, able to deal with it because I was already emotionally and mentally spent on on the other aspects of our relationship. Yeah, that's a great description of it. I think that everyone gets everyone comes to LA thinks they're hot shit. Many of them don't make it as far as we made it. Like we walked into LA with the heat And people paying attention to us. When we talk about the way that everyone stopped talking to us, they kind of didn't. Like, I think we were very projecting what was happening between us onto this. But I can see five different directions that we could have pushed through to get this done. But I definitely was, you know, I was was in, like, active codependent addiction. Like, I wasn't functioning on any level in my life. But the difference between people who L.A. works for and people who L.A. doesn't work for is uh, the people who quit after their first rejection. And we had other shows. We have fans that make animation. Uh, Yesterday when we were talking to Bree about a narrative podcast, I'm like, that's an angle that could have been done. We could have had it turned into a comic. We could have built heat on the comic and then sold it on that we could have found a way to make it on youtube like th- like it, it was it was not dead by any stretch i think we just like our personal stuff made it to where uh 
but it still isn't like um I think that going and taking a year and doing a real job would actually really help you. Hmm. Um, well, I was, I've been, I've been back in LA for what two days now, and I already am like, why do I want to get a job? This is because, like, I remember being, I remember being here with you all the time and uh, uh, visualizing this future that I wanted, yeah, and, and daydreaming about. Oh, I'm going to live here and I'm going to be rich and I'm going to do make art and it's going to be cool. And it's all oh, I could do this and that and that. And uh, and now I've in recent weeks or months, I've been like on a different path thinking about a, di- a completely different future where I'm happy, you know, <laughs> and yeah, and in Salt Lake and working and. Uh, and having a consistent schedule with Ethan that's easier and building a group of friends that in a support system instead of traveling all the time and not having people to like hang out with. And I want to, you know, uh, like build a friend family. Right. And I'm like, that's what I've been thinking about. And then I came back to LA and saw palm trees and it's all, it's also like, it's, it was fucking snowing in Salt Lake and I come to LA and I peeling my jacket off cruising with the windows down and i'm like oh why did i ever leave you (laughs) oh Uh, no i do want to be a comedian i want to make television i want to be in this town uh so i'm i thought that i would be presenting this um this vision of my future at the end of the podcast me like this is uh, uh with like confidence you know this is what i'm going to do but apparently i'm just as torn as ever i think um, and this is just my two cents. It doesn't matter at all. But this comes up a lot when I'm doing readings for people where people are entertaining two timelines and it fucks your life up because your grass is greenering. Uh, you know, we <laughs> grass is greener the other timelines. And the more I learn about how to actually serve surf timelines i realized what was happening in in what i was contributing to us making tv was i wanted to make tv but what i really wanted was i wanted to build a family with you and we were this power couple that made tv and so when i couldn't get that part that i really wanted uh to to catch everything else was just crumbling with it i don't think that means that had we had we gone that route, we would have gotten our first yes. Cause I think there are just no's on the way to yes. And that's, that's what makes the experience rich. It didn't feel dead in the water by a long stretch to me. Uh, but I was consumed with the, with the other part of it. But sometimes when, cause I think there is a, uh, desire for like stability, you know, I've lived mm-hmm. in the, the regular world. I've had health insurance. I've had a, st- a steady job. I've lived in the fucking suburbs. I'm glad I did it. I'm really glad I did it. I did it for a really long time. I'm glad my kids had that for their first few years of life, you know, and, and I think I needed it because I'm so, I'm so move, 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 move that I like, I'm a little unstable by nature. So I think I needed that to be able to toggle between the two, but it does, it's, it's not it for me. It's not it for me that it doesn't do it for me. It's a cardboard cutout of real life. And, um, but for some people it's exactly what they want and exactly what they need. But I think if you haven't done it, you know, you've had like, here's what I think will, I think that there, I, I really 
love comedy. I love not having a boss. I love being my own boss. I love having the freedom. I love not, I love not having the moral complications of a job. Like every, every time I, I, I can't like just accept a job without thinking about all the ways that I'm hurting. Like, like most corporations, whatever you work for just like suck. And, yeah. um, it's really hard. I think for me to create profit for somebody else that's going to, you know, I'm just like, I'd rather be poor and work for myself. Yeah. But there, there've been like aspects of this lifestyle that I've had that I feel have been detrimental to my, uh, well-being. Yeah. Where I, I think that I, I, I do good with a little bit of direction. Yeah. If somebody is uh, pushing me to do something, if I have a deadline, if someone's counting on me to do something, I get work done. No problem. When it's just me, when it's just like, Hey Aaron, build your website. I'm like, when though? Like I, yeah. like, I could, that structure. I think I'm going to see uncut gems instead. And then I could do the website tomorrow. And then I never, ever, ever, ever do. And all the free time that I had really led to a lot of depression time. Did I need a lot of time to think about my thoughts? Absolutely. I did. And I loved it. And then it got to a point where I was like, I think this is bad now. I think that I'm just spinning in circles in my head all day because I have a mental illness that could be managed better if I had was giving myself more to do. If right. I was just doing a dumb shit job that didn't matter and I just uh, a re like there's so many days where it's like I don't know how many times I have to relearn this lesson that taking a shower and getting outside and going for a walk is like all that I need to feel better. And they, I have to relearn that lesson week after week where I'll just I'll spend days inside feeling like shit and then finally finally somehow summon the strength to shower change my clothes and go outside and then i'm like oh my god life isn't that bad i don't know why in my room it felt like it was time to kill myself but right. now outside i'm like oh wow that was really silly right and i just feel like if i had a dumb job for an evil corporation that stole uh all my money <laughs> you know and had to and had to you know, have my paycheck stolen through taxation and all the other stuff that y'all complain about constantly. It, I would have to wait. I would have to set an alarm, have a time to get up. I'd have to take a shower. I'd have to get dressed. I'd have to walk out to a side to my job. And I feel like that right there is why I want a job. Yeah, that's that's it. Because I feel like, yeah, uh, the hours at work sure aren't fun, but like. I wasn't doing anything with those hours anyway. Right, yeah. I've been at home jerking off for years. And I was talking to a friend. I've, I'm probably going to bring him up a couple times in this episode or maybe the next one. His name is David. He came to a Salt Lake show. We were like TAs once upon a time. And uh, we've like starting to become friends. It's really cool. And he is just – he was expressing sentiments that other people have expressed to me about how they they love me because I didn't sell out like they did. You know, like, hey, uh, uh, here's the thing, man. Uh, I spend the hours of 8 to 6 every day just hating my life, hating myself. And uh, 
and it sucks. And I was like, same, you know, right. I spend those same hours every day hating myself, but you have a house, right? Like you come home after that and you have a house and a wife and like, uh, and you like work on your passions and interests and hobbies in the, in the, in the nighttime. Right. And it's like when you have your whole life dedicated to your passions or hobbies, um, I wish I was the kind of, uh, go getter that just, that just spent my whole day uh, working on these things that would make me happier, but I am not, and I don't. And I wonder if, uh, I could become that person. If you, yeah. If I, if like, I see the, the, the people, the guys that do comedy at nights and on weekends. And it's like, it's more meaningful to them in some way. Like I thought that like, if you really loved comedy, you would do it full time. Like me, you know, it's kind of an egotistical thought that I had, but I definitely prided myself on the fact that I do it full time, baby. But, um, there's like guys who do it part time who are working harder at it than I do. And they're working harder at it because they have to squeeze the joy out of it because their, their day job sucks the joy from them. And that's why I never wanted it. But now I see that's kind of like a purpose there for that. Like if you if the you have a job that sucks the joy out of you, then you have to work hard in the evening to get it right. And so it's like that guy went to work today. He got paid, you know, he made money, and then in the evening he put his time and energy into uh, stuff that he wants to do and get better at. And I watched Netflix all day. That's all that I did today. And uh, I so I kind of I want to. I don't know. I want to become a better person. I want yeah. to be a person that works harder. And I've I used to be just an incredibly hard worker. Uh, I I mean a mission isn't easy at all. And I and I worked extra hard at that. Before my mission, I was always working multiple jobs. After my mission, I remember like being in college and and like managing a sabaro afterwards. I remember I used to always work on holidays, and I was. I had fun. I liked it. It was nice. And now, uh, like this comedy has made me a pretty lazy dude or also probably mental illness has made me lazy, but, uh, I would like to become a hard worker again. And so that's the main reason I'm thinking that I want to get a job, but like, I don't want to give up on comedy. I don't want to give up on making movies. I was just watching, uh, uh, making of the abyss documentary you guys remember the abyss james cameron's 1989 i think the abyss dude and it's they just they they found they found an abandoned power plant or I think maybe it was never finished being built or something uh and they filled it with 700 million gallons of water uh, some and they, I don't know, all the work that went into making this movie is fascinating to me. And I'm like, God, why can't I, I would take any job on that set. You know, I want to, I still want to do all that kind of stuff. I just think that, uh, I need to change aspects about myself in order to get there. And I think it's easier for my family situation. If I'm just focusing more on being in Salt Lake and taking a job there and and working on those things and still hopefully maybe someday uh you know get into movie tv business somehow and uh you know 
I feel like I have to I have to learn how to write. I have to learn how to write scripts and stuff. And what if I'm just the kind of per what if I'm one of those guys that like works my day job and then works on my screenplay at night? Those guys I always thought were losers, but they're accomplishing way more than I have because they've written something, you know? So I don't know. That's what I that's what I'm thinking about doing. Yeah, I think uh that was kind of what I was saying with my time in the in the suburbs and in in that life where I either worked or had well I worked through most of it and then I had you know I was homeschooling the kids and stuff it just got me into that zone of doing things where when I was younger I have a million ideas I start things and then fizzle out and now I'm someone who you know I work all day I work all day. I work seven days a week right now. I'm working on podcasts. I'm doing podcasts. I'm, I do way more readings than is probably uh, uh, a good idea. I am creating new things. I have a side project where I'm trying to start a nonprofit and overthrow the government. I and know that we've talked about this before, but I think about it a lot when, uh, shit, what's her name? Did your reading in January? Uh-huh. What's her name? Karen Rontowski. Karen, thank you. Uh, and she was like, you're going to have a different source of income was yeah. one of the things that she said. You'll have a completely different source of income by when? Do you remember what month? It was exactly uh, an entire page of that reading came true in July. She said second half of 2019, your career shifts, you blow up, uh, which I've had several readings done. Like 2020 is going to be insane. So basically, you know. Stop getting your readings from Jessica. Karen uh, is the <laughs> <laughs> Karen. If you want to know the future, me. If you want to know why you're going to sabotage the future, that's a, that's my specialty. Karen will tell you that you're going to get a job offer in February. I'll tell you the programming that's going to stop you from taking it. That's cool. Um, yeah, it, her. You guys ever do like a, a double book special? Like, no, we've uh, talked about it. <laughs> Um, she also said in that reading that, uh, it was something about my feminine energy. She said it was very important that I go and do things that aren't just, cause this is when we were like enmeshed in January. She said, there are things that you have to do separate from Aaron. And it, uh, doesn't mean that you can't work with Aaron, but there's, there's something that you have to do. That's like very specific to your thing. And I ended up being soberish and everything that came with soberish. And then yeah, pivot in my financial situation. I knew from that reading and also from that resonated with the trajectory that I would be financially back on my feet by September. Yeah. She's really good. Get a reading from Karen Rontowski. If you want to know what's up. Anyway, what's sorry. So I, I, I kind of derailed your thought there. Mm -hmm. Uh, but you're you're taking lots of readings and I just there was value for me. I you and I are similar creative types. And when I was younger, a lot younger than you are now, but like when I was younger, it 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 did I did spin in circles. I did watch a lot of TV. I did like I thought I had chronic fatigue. Like I had all these ideas. I didn't know how to get them out and going and working a real job and having a schedule and having all of that structure. Not my cup of tea in life, but I'm super glad that I did it because it taught me how to how to have that structure in life. It taught me how to have money so that I could figure out a way to be creative and have money. It just like put me on a path. Uh Part of me is like, don't give up. Like you're meant to make movies. You're meant to to create art. 
it doesn't, I don't think you're giving up. I think this is a, it, I think you're intuitively moving towards something that is going to help you get that. I don't yeah. think you're necessarily, I think you might really like it in the beginning. You know, I think you're really going to like a paycheck and structure and stuff. I don't think in five years you're. I'll be sick of it. I'll yeah, be sick of it. You'll be sick sure. of it, but you will have gotten what you needed I from it. I think it is a catalyst. I do. I like you said, I'm glad you said giving up because for the longest time, I always felt it kind of went hand in hand with this me priding myself on being a full time comic. Right. I thought getting a job was failure. Yeah. That I'm not I don't want to like I need money. But if I get a job, that means I failed. That means I'm just like one of those uh, open micers. You know, I'm not a real comic anymore. I'm just someone who does it on the weekends. And that's failure. And now my I think that that was a pretty. Uh, incorrect assessment and dare I say kind of an arrogant one uh, maybe just naive but uh, I don't think of it as failure now I think that I'm like I see the benefits of it and if you're still working towards you know your with your goals in comedy then it's fine it's totally fine to get a to get a job it's better in a lot of ways yeah um, I've been way too isolated for so long I've it's there's so many jokes to write out from your job, you know, like yeah. you need to meet people and talk to people and interact and observe the world and live in the world so that uh, that you're making art for in order to do it. That's what I learned that from Werner Herzog, who said that he watches uh, he he forces himself to watch wrestling pay-per-views so that he can be in touch with the worlds that he makes art for is the the funniest weirdest dude and anyway i uh let's do an ad break real quick so i can pee okay forgot to flush uh you usually do uh, yeah <laughs> uh i i every time we're like in a hotel or something together uh i always see your pee in the toilet <laughs> but oh, i know you miss a, that no, it's always it's always sweet in the morning because it's like uh, I know that you were you were scared of the of the toilet flush waking me up. <laughs> You're like, I'll out of out of respect for Aaron's slumber, I shall not flush this toilet paper down. <laughs> I think about we'll get more into this in the next episode, but I think about the amount of anxiety that I had. Um about you at all times and how like you sleep really light and so sometimes I would wake up and need to roll over but instead of rolling over I would just be like this is potentially going to wake him up and then he's not going to be able to fall back to sleep but like my leg is definitely asleep and I definitely need to roll over just like how afraid I was of uh all of it I was so I just like didn't know how to be in that space but yeah I definitely don't flush the toilet at night because it will wake you up uh very sweet of you i mean and you know codependent and unhealthy yeah, but, yeah and crazy but, but and what, I, what was popping sweet. in my head was anxious concern what is it the mormon thing oh the gordon b hinckley's definition of love yeah now all i can think is anxious preoccupation but he definitely oh, that's doesn't what i was just that. gonna say yeah no it's a it's a i think it's an anxious concern for the other person's well-being yeah but uh it's weird that a Mormon prophet was wrong about something. <laughs> it's totally crazy. It's weird. I can't believe it. 
Um, but uh, I, I was I was saying I have isolated myself so much uh, doing comedy, and I am looking. For, I'm trying in 2020 to socialize a lot more. I already started this year, but I'm doing more of it. That guy that I said I was going to mention again. I went to a Halloween party at his house, and he was so happy. And he he was present. We were standing in the corner of this big room, and he's showing me all of his friends, like all the people that are at the party. And he was like, "These are the coolest people I know. This is the friend group that I have wanted my whole life, and I've made it." And he was just like standing there, like presenting as if something like you know that he had carved from wood, like you know how you. Well, I built this bed for Ethan one time, and I was like, "I made that," and I had this pride. And he had like this group of friends, and he was like, "I made this," and these are the best people, and they love me, and I love them, and they're all cool, and we all support each other and hang out. And I was like, "I want your life, David. That sounds so cool. I want to build uh, a friend group like that." Uh, and it's difficult to do when you're in your apartment all day long. You know, I see you are a magnet for fantastic friends, by the way. I know, but I you don't have some I need, of the I need coolest to... friends in the the world. I made it some of them my friends, too, but they oh, are. Stop stealing my friends. <laughs> Can't we share? <laughs> well, this is not fair. So then who do I get? Uh, Don Mabry. <laughs> <laughs> Your friends, your friends can't even keep a Facebook account. <laughs> uh, they have some dope ass memes, though. Uh, I, uh, you know, but uh, that's that's I have I really gotten a lot of great memes from all your friends. <laughs> um, the but uh, I I have great friends. They don't live near me though. They all scattered. And I don't. I like want people that I can see. I've thought a lot about how I want people that I can share my sorrows with and like be like and share my triumphs with i have only ever had a uh uh like a wife figure you know like i had a really intense i probably codependent maybe relationship with tabitha because we we only talked to each other you know and we just told each other everything which is what i felt like marriage was and i was like why would i need other people and then she was gone and i had no one and then i engaged in a series of like toxic uh relationships where i was uh hooking up with people and being way too intimate but then you know i wasn't ready for any sort of commitment or whatever and then uh i kind of did the same thing with you in a less a, a slightly less toxic way. I mean, because I mean, we, it lasted much longer. But still, I was only, I was only talking to you. Like anything bad that happened in my day, it was just you that I would tell. The good things that happened, I would just you that I would tell. And then when we broke up, I was like in this position where, like, what do I do now? And this time, and I talked about this a lot, I think, in the Patreon episodes that we've recorded during the breakup yeah. about how I felt like I was being healthier than the last breakup I went through, where I, I felt those urges to find someone to share all this stuff with and instead was like, keep it to yourself. And I had several lonely months where I was just keeping everything to myself and just kind of being alone. And it was healthy, I think, to do that. But, you know, lonely. And I thought a lot about how I, I have these, I have friends, I have dudes that I'll, excuse me. I have friends, I have dudes that I'll go see a movie with, but that's it. And I'm like, I want to talk to Danny about 
how I, uh, I'm heartbroken. I want to talk to Jacob about, uh, you know, funny, uh, like happy things. I want to talk to somebody about Ethan. You know, I want to have friends that I see on a regular basis that are, we're close and that we share, uh, triumphs. We support each other. We go to each other's things and, and make sure the other person feels loved and supported. And we have parties and stuff. And uh, I started doing that. I got, I got a, a group of friends in Salt Lake and started hosting parties. Uh, a fan that, uh, there was, I don't know, someone that I met through the podcast, her name is Kendra. She's invited me to her uh, friend group's movie nights, you know? And I'm like, I this is one benefit that I want, like why I want to kind of focus, at least while I'm in Salt Lake, I want to invest and I will like want to be there long enough where like I can hang out with people instead of just yeah. traveling to a different city uh, and then the t when I would I would come back to Salt Lake and I would just stay in my room alone the whole time I was there. I wouldn't do anything or see anybody. And I want to, uh, yeah, I just wanna I want to have friends. I want to like build a family. You know, Thanksgiving. Uh, I was watching this 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 group of friends play uh, turkey bowl, and I was like, that's what I want. I want all these. You know, I want traditions with my friends. My friend's back in Maryland. I'm going to DMXmas again this year nice. uh, because I'm like, I'm, I, I, I want that. I like that they have traditions that they do together, that they love each other. And, uh, I want to be a part of it. And, uh, there's a lot of, uh, self-love stuff here. Is it? Yeah. Oh, look at me. Look at me loving myself. Can I just say though, I am ready for this. But it was really fun to have the two years where we did travel a ton. Mm -hmm. It was fun to have late nights where we uh, where we were just traveling. It was like every day we were traveling to a different city. And then, you know, it's Monday night. We have to put out an episode. So after the show is over, we're recording something. It's You remember that, like after Atlanta yeah. in the hotel room? And... Uh, I was singing brand new lyrics and stuff and we were just getting episodes out and then we had to wake up in a few hours and go to the airport and uh, fly home. And yeah, that was, it was fun. We went to so many cities that I was never, I, you know, a lot of cities, uh, Atlanta, Chicago, Cleveland, Columbus, Nashville, New York, D.C. We pulled a lot off. We were both in heavy, heavy trauma clearing, dealing with a, a painful dynamic, creating a shit ton of art, and also traveling an insane amount. And then we'd come home, and you'd be home for like 10 days, and then you'd have to go back out. You know, that's hard when you're completely mentally well, you know, to get into a structure where you're not just uh, recovering from traveling and then going back out and traveling. These podcasts were all extremely intimate and triggering and difficult. Like we did a lot and we're, we're walking away from it with the dynamic intact after having been, having gone through all of this. Cause for a minute, you know, last month I thought, Oh no, fucking! I'm like wrapping my mind around having to let go of you, but then like, oh, I'm gonna let go of him, and it's 
like it's not coming in for a soft landing like it's just pain is what's left you know that doesn't feel like that was supposed to be the story I was having a really hard time with that and uh, I'm glad that it's ending the way that it's ending because this feels right tomorrow we're gonna have a big fight and we're not gonna talk to each other <laughs> uh, I did when I was booking the hotel for an extra day I was like am I pushing my luck but <laughs> I had the same I had the same fear I was like oh no oh no I don't want to do the cycle again yeah you know where which is like i've said this a couple times to you in the last 24 hours that problem with the good times like i because i thought in the last month or so i mean things have been uh i've been mad for the last month and i have i was just i thought you know i had a different memory of stuff i don't know i was focusing on all the bad things i was focusing on all the bad things the last month and i was I was working on creating distance between us and I thought that that would be the best thing. And I just thought, you know, maybe in a year or something we'll feel better. Uh, but like right now I'm just kind of mad. And, um, my plan, I thought that this would just be cordial, but not that sentimental. You know, just we'll get these podcasts done and it will be the end. And then after as soon as we were done crying through the episodes the other night, then uh, we cleared a whole bunch of stuff. And then suddenly everything was good again. And then you're making videos with looking at we're looking at all these uh, uh, memories that we made over the last two years and all these times that we were really sweet and times that we were in love and times that we were laughing and talking about this time and that time and uh you were talking about hiding in the ditch from the uber driver and uh laughing our asses off in the pizza place to a jim stewart allen video and we're talking about all this stuff and it's like so good again and i'm so happy that it's so good but the the what's the problem with the good time is that we always then think oh we then we should just keep doing this we should we should continue working together. We should spend one more night in the hotel. We should da, 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 da. and then that cycle completes. We then uh trigger uh some sort of you know contention in some way and then the uh resentment sets back in and then the distance comes back. And we've played out this cycle many times over the last 2 years and uh, I'm like scared of it happening again, but, but I don't know how, I don't know how else to quit you if not like with finishing the cycle, because if we don't, if we don't get to the bad part, then we're stuck here in the good part. And then we're just like, Oh, well, we'll just, then we're not going to quit. Then we stick together until, you know, we fight again. And so what would be a miracle for this week is if we if we if we just ride it from where it is right now if we just ride it and say and say a happy goodbye with full of happy memories and uh stay stay friends which i think you know it's what i want yeah it's gonna happen (laughs) (sighs) uh a lot of what would happen in these cycles was you know this is what 
this is the timeline I want for my life. You're the timeline I want for my life. Not because you're a prize. Not because you're a god on earth. You know, whatever. She not that I have She literally said that. I have said that about you. <laughs> I, that was the codependency talking. I have come down from that. Mm-hmm. But uh, the timeline. I was like, and I was like, well, in, uh, according to Mormon doctrine, <laughs> we are all gods on earth. Um, but I had a really hard time with wanting that, you know, like unhealed me, like like full of wounds and and uh, a, a deep, intense abandonment wound. It was it was painful to want that. It was extremely painful to want that and have someone else not want that. And so I was preoccupied with trying to get you on the same page you know that caused a a ton of tension it made me read very normal things as rejection it made me ignore the fact that I'm an introvert who needs a lot of space you're an introvert who needs a lot of space uh it 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 tainted a lot of stuff and um so we would have the good times and then I just like I couldn't just let them be good times. I had to be like, this is the this is my you know, here's my argument for why we belong together. And in this closing, it's like I've accepted. I've accepted that I don't get that. I don't get it's great. End of sentence. I don't get to have that. And so uh I don't think we're going to go into that cycle. I think if you start to distance, I'm going to see that as this is an introvert who needs some time to recharge. Let me go somewhere, you know? And um, my argument during the two years, because I always was far more focused on the good times. And in my head, the this was a, a huge under exaggeration but once I found out I was codependent it made a lot more sense but in my head it was like this kind of chemistry is volatile it is it is difficult to have this strong of a connection with another person it's never you're never going to have you can have easy you can have an easy relationship with someone that you in the back of your head it'll always kind of feel like something's missing or you can have an intense connection that is that produces things like Mormon and the method but you're going to have to work at it is not immediately going to be easy. So in my head, I'm like, we just have to keep working and we're eventually going to figure out how to be together. And, um, the interesting thing is that it was, it, but I was always focused on the good stuff and I ruined a lot of the good stuff by needing to point out you know, that it was, I turned a lot of good stuff into bad stuff. But then when we would fight our, our relationship with the fighting part, it was, it was very hard and triggering for you. And, you know, uh, yeah. Anyway, I don't, I don't know if I totally believe that. I get what you're saying. I think, uh, it's, tr- it's true to an funny extent. This conversation but turned into a fight. This is it. <laughs> I think, I think that it is possible to have, chemistry good chemistry with someone and it'd be easy if the if people uh are healthy like and they work and they yeah work i think the dartnells have great yeah, yeah exactly and they uh they're exactly. not it's an excellent example yeah uh what if right now they were just screaming at each other they're, <laughs> they're not, not like not, riddled they're with not. trauma though yeah exactly so i guess that's the the caveat yeah, if you've already sorted out all your childhood stuff and then then yeah you can have an e- easy chemistry with somebody but uh, 
I say let's wrap this episode up and then let's uh, next week we're going to record it right now. But next week, uh, you guys, we're going to be talking about our arcs in this story. You know, we said that we set we set out to tell a story and uh, we did it. And now we kind of want to recap that story and talk about, you know, where we were in episode one and where we are on episode 100 or I guess 99 and uh, talk about the changes that we went through, how we changed each other, how we changed ourselves. And we're also going to be reading things from you guys, how you were changed. Uh, And uh, uh, if you want to join our Patreon, I think I'm going to do one last Sunday school. I got to figure out what story I'm telling, but we're also doing... Uh, we've got, uh, you know, we're doing more of this podcast recap stuff over there, but, uh, you know, more, more intimate details, I guess we're saving it for, for that one. Uh, and I, I guess I, if this, when this episode comes out, it's like still a few more days left to get your, uh, tickets to see us at Creek in the cave. Right. Anyway. Yeah, you gotta come. That's our it's our last show uh, until we do a reunion tour someday. <laughs> and uh, when Jessa books me as her opener for her, uh, do you have a title yet for whatever you're mostly dead birds? Mostly dead birds. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When it, when Jessa books me as her opener for her mostly dead birds tour, then uh, uh, until then, this will be a uh, last chance to see us perform together. So. I hope, I hope that you guys can come and make it. I know it's getting close. The night it's December Thursday, December nineteenth, and it's close to Christmas time, so uh, people are traveling and and stuff. But uh, uh, come see us. Is, are, are we going to perform together? You think? Probably. I would. I yeah. think so. I've, especially after I would. I'm just hoping to recreate Salt Lake. You know, <laughs> uh, it was just it was really really good, but. Uh, we'll catch you guys next time on Mormon and the Meth Head. If you put a Mormon and a Meth Head together, this is what they sound like. Aaron would all just so read our friends, listen to them talking to Mike.
I started going back to boxing, which uh, I've missed. I've missed so much. That's another great thing about staying in Salt Lake is that I like can go back to the gym. I did. It wasn't worth spending uh, $90 a month on membership for this gym because I was never going. And then when I was in Salt Lake, I would just be, like I said, just depressed in my room for 10 days. I wouldn't I would, you know, maybe go once or something like that. I wasn't using it. And now I'm, I've, I've been back in Salt Lake for a while. You're staring at me with the deadest eyes right, right. now. <laughs> Space you? out. Okay. Uh, I would, I missed it. I missed working out and I finally went back. And this time I was like, I'm going to be different this time at boxing. Last time I was a member of this gym, I was really sad and I would just come in and I would punch the bag and I would leave and I wouldn't talk to anybody, but I would look at everyone else and they were like all super friendly all the time like they like hung out together uh they did stuff like the gym puts on like they like like tonight we're going to this bar and we're gonna all drink together or something and i would never go to those things and i'm like i want to do that i want to make friends here this time i'll be different it's my first day back in class i'm being very social talking to people and i'm like everyone's like the people are excited to see me again and it's like great and i'm and i'm like being I'm sharing stuff and then some because I used to bring Ethan to class all the time with me and he would like hide in he would sit in a locker and shut himself in the locker and then you know make stuff and uh, so someone was like hey what's uh, how's your son? And I'm like, oh, you want to see a picture of how big he's gotten? And I had just gotten a picture from his first grade teacher of like they were doing a Thanksgiving uh, feast in class that day. And so she took pictures and emailed them to the parents. And there was one of him and his little friend, the the friend that he did the sleepover mm-hmm. with. And uh, I show him, I show the guy this picture. And he was like, oh, looks like he's already got himself a little Asian fetish. Jesus Christ. And I was like, I can't, we're not, all right. <laughs> what the fuck? Well, I tried to make friends. I don't know. <laughs> S- swing and a miss. <laughs> it was disgusting. It was the disgusting. Fuck? I was like, all right, first of all, that's his BFF. And uh, it was gross. It was gross. God. 